0: Matt Choi, what's going on, brother? Dude, I'm so pumped to be here, man. Dude, we're here. We're here, We've arrived. In the flesh. We've arrived. Here. And not for long, because you're about to run a marathon, (laughs) right?
1: In a couple days. In a couple days. Where are you going? I'm going to Boston. Boston. And have you run it before? Never ran Boston, but I've witnessed Boston in the past as a spectator. And, bro, I mean, it's the energy similar to New York. It's a world major. It's one of the biggest marathons in the world. Sure. Um, energy is going to be unreal. Okay. So take me back a, a bit, and I want to get a deep, deep dive
0: in, into you and what brought you to Austin. And But I'm assuming, like most, first time you started running, that first mile, two miles sucks. Very right? much so. And maybe still the case. What really sparked this interest to, like, okay, this is going to be a part of my identity here?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of this happened during COVID. And honestly, Eric, a lot of my story, I mean, obviously there's an origin before COVID, but – um, a lot of it happened during that time where there was a lot of solitude, a lot of time to work on yourself, a lot of, you know, you're stuck at home. You're not able to do all the things you mm-hmm. want to do. And at the time I was reading um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Yep. And if you don't know who that is, go search, search him up and you'll see some crazy shit. But that kind of sparked this interest for me of like, what's my, hum- what's my potential? Mm-hmm. And am I really maximizing it? Right. And running was something physical, right? And I think in fitness and in, in the space that we're in, You know, workouts and physical stuff is a great way to get a reaction, right? You do a 30-minute workout and you'll see how your body's feeling. Mm -hmm. You'll feel if you push your limit. And running was something that never came natural to me in terms of the long distance stuff. So naturally, it's like that Mike Tyson quote of, you want to build discipline, do things that you hate to do, but do it like you love it. And I just kind of kept that ingrained in me where it's like, all right, dude, I'm not the best runner. I'm a former football player. Like, we don't run miles. We don't run fucking marathons. But the ability to show up for yourself in that aspect it started to bleed into everything else I was doing in this life, in, in my life, in that sense. So, you are in the pandemic,
0: and what was like the first
1: run you went on? How long was that? Well, how I really started running was during the pandemic, I did the Murph workout 30 days in a row. Yeah, it's a doozy. That's so that's kind of, if you think about that workout, it's actually a great way to break it down in that's the sense true. of a mile, 100 pull ups, 200 push ups, 300 squats, another mile. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the month, I ran 60 miles. Wow. So, and some of those were with weighted vests. So I'm like, sure. just slowly building up my base, letting my legs and my body just feel this this ad- adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. And from there, I was just like, all right, I put on my Instagram. I'm like, yo, how many miles should I go run? And people were like, yo, go for like five miles. And yeah. then I just was like, all right, let me go try and just take it slow, take it easy. And I hit five, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. Like, what? how far can I really go? Sure. Being <laughs> on the outside, you
0: know, it's pretty incredible to see this the community behind running Mm. and just like the support you guys have for one another it's a movement right it's very impactful being on the inside right what is that like could
1: you have ever imagined it was that this this big yeah i mean i eric i never ever witnessed a marathon until the past two years Mm -hmm. so i didn't really understand what the running community was about and now that i'm in it more to your point One, I think that there's a lot of people that are outsiders coming into it because of COVID. Before, it was like a runner thing Mm -hmm. versus like how many people that were former athletes and former, you know, football players, whoever got into this sport. Right. I think now it's becoming a lot more available because there's very little friction when it comes to running. You need a pair of shoes and a good attitude Mm -hmm. and anyone can do it. Sure. You don't have to get taught how to like jog or run. Right. There's obviously mechanics to it. To help improve your performance mm-hmm. but at the ground level it's innate in every single human yeah we all can do it that fight or flight hits if you're someone's chasing after you you will freaking start to run no matter <laughs> how big or small that you are right to answer your question in the sense of the community it's something about going through that chosen suffering that people then relate with you see someone struggling at mile 15 or in a marathon and if you ran one before, if you're there supporting, you can just feel that energy. You can feel that mm-hmm. tension of like, damn, I've been there before. I know what it feels like. So I think naturally you have these people that are, one, like open to just cheering other people on, mm-hmm. right? Where it's not always just about you. Because the dope thing about a marathon is, yes, there's someone that comes in first, but every single human can hit a PR that day, sure. Which in their mind is is getting first, yeah, right? Especially. So I think there's spe- something special around that, and. It is one of those things where now I think there's a lot of outsiders coming in to the sport, which it's good and bad. In the sense, Mm -hmm. it's making the sport more accessible. It's making it more fun. Um, At the same time, some hardcore runners might not like that stuff either. And Mm -hmm. I've been on the back end of also getting some some hate and some negativity around me as a human getting into this space. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's natural. Anytime you have a sport that's growing in that sense. Yeah, because I would imagine it's like
0: ultimately there is causes people are running for, which makes it that much better. But if I would, on the outside in, again, you correct me, jump in, you break it off into categories. You have the people that are there to win, Mm -hmm. right? And that's like uh, less than 1% of the people that are trying to hit the podium. And then you have, I would say the mass, the large majority that want to hit the finish line and for their cause, for whatever that reason might be. And then you have maybe the, the new day age, like hybrid athlete influencer that, it's a positive message, but I would say that could, I could see maybe from the person wanting to win and from the person just wanting to cross that maybe they can be that be a little resentful. But to be honest, it's all for the better good of the sport and the cause. So I don't really see why people would be so how dare you wear a different men yeah, and yeah. how dare this and your shoes weren't you know, appropriate. <laughs> All that is, I think is nonsense. It's twenty six point two miles, yeah. and everybody should just be applauded for finishing the miles. Um, but anyway, I was just outside in. That's how I could see it. I'm, I know you dealt with some backlash, like you said. I had a, another question, and it was kind of talking about that runner's high. Yeah, you know, I wanted to get into that a little bit. What would you say is like the best way to train for that? Because I'm assuming. You know, if I'm trying to, I'll, I'll do this thing where I want to run a fast mile. Yeah. Like, rip. Less than six. <laughs> rip. Music, whatever it is, Linkin Park, you know, <laughs> moving. Yeah. And early on, quarter mile in, you know, your adrenaline's going, you're feeling loose. But I n- know instinctually, don't tap into that yet, otherwise I'll crash and burn. Like, how do you navigate that when you have
1: 26.2 miles and there's a million people yeah. next to you? obviously a little bit different even in terms of the energy system that you're using for an all-out mile versus a 26.2 sure. right I kind of I guess the best way to kind of explain it is kind of like that flow state when you're in that groove of like you've one done the prep work you've done the training right if, if you don't prep for a marathon it's hard to get into that runner's high get into that flow state obviously you need to build yourself up to being able to even get to that point um during a marathon though it's it's a long race like, this is not, like, something that you just, do. like, Kipchoge do this in two hours, but, like, most humans are not doing it at that capacity. Yeah. Um. I think the best way to get to that runner's high, get into that feeling, is by just showing up day-to-day to, like, put the miles in. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, the the dopest thing with running for me is that I come from a world of football and fitness and wellness, right? The principles are the same. People want to get into the weight room and bench more, squat more, deadlift more, mm-hmm. like, you don't just show up and throw 315 on the bar and try to deadlift if you haven't done 135. Right, And it's the same principles of that. Like if you want to run a marathon, well, you better be doing your day-to-day consistent work of base building, of doing some threshold work where you're sure. picking up the tempos and speed and things
0: like that. I wanted to touch upon the preparation of all this. If, I mean, I'm sure this is something anyone can pull up on the web, but of course, I haven't done that. What does it look like? Is there a standardized, like, here is the blueprint to train for the 26 miles? What is that?
1: I mean, it's there's so many blueprints. Okay, You go on Google right now, you'll find so many different strategies, right? And with all the research now and all the technology now, there's so many coaches and athletes that are debunking a lot of the old school myths mm-hmm. of this is the only tried and true way, right? Nowadays, you have got people that come from a track background that are more 800, 400 meter runners that have a level of uh, fast twitch muscle fibers that make it actually easier to transition into the marathon mm. because they already got the speed worked yeah. out. Now they just have to build out the base for a longer period mm-hmm. versus someone who's been uh, maybe a cross country runner. They never really did speed work, but they've been mastering the 5K, 10K distance. And they'll have that base as like a mid distance runner. And that base is gonna be different than someone that's a fast 400 runner. Sure. So there's so many different ways to approach a marathon. It's kind of like an offensive coordinator, how there's like the West Coast style offense. There's a shotgun. Like there's so many different ways to win a Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. just like there's a lot of ways to run across a a marathon. So that's how I would say, like if you go on Google right now, you'll find a ton of different programs, eight week, 12 week, 16 week programs. Depending on what your starting point is, you might have to find a program that fits your style and your training. Not everyone wants to run six days a week, Eric. Not everyone has the time to do that. Yeah, there's programs that people could run three days a week, still weight train and still be able to go complete a twenty six point mm-hmm. two. So I don't think that there's one tried or true method, just like there's not one tried or true diet. Sure. Marathoning is so individual and each person is going to be different and they need different yeah. needs. And finding a coach or finding someone that is in the space to get kind of give you that roadmap mm-hmm. is always a good strategy. And that's how I would kind of frame it. It's like there's no one size fits all approach.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to know. Because I'm not running six, seven days. Dude, you don't need to. If I (laughs) I were you, I wouldn't either. Yeah, and like I said, (laughs) I'm going to join you on one of these uh, marathons this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Most likely New York. Go back to to the roots a bit. I love that. Um, Okay, let's flip a little bit here. Um, Talk to me a little bit more about the business side of being an influencer and tapping into all these different spaces, Mm -hmm. whether it's wellness, fitness, beauty, tech, whatever is going on, like Thankfully, it's given you the ability to have the time to go and run and go. You don't have to sit at a desk yeah. or clock in nine to five somewhere. Talk to me about one, how you got into that, what that looks like for you today, mm-hmm. and kind of anything on the
1: horizon. Yes, um, I love this. How I got into it was when I first left corporate America, I got into personal training first. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was like, all right, my goal, Eric, was to open a gym. Like, right, like a lot of trainers want to open a gym, right? Mm-hmm. But I realized during COVID, I'm like, oh, shit, now that doesn't seem so sexy. Um, so I was listening to a ton of Gary V, and I just look up to him as a marketer, as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, and a bunch of his, like, keynotes, he was talking about how every single human should see themselves as a media company first and then whatever they do, because if no one knows what you're about, what your values are, what you do, what, what service you provide, mm-hmm. how can they ever work with you? Right. Now, obviously there's old school ways of getting referrals, of, you know, word, uh, what's it called? Um, word of mouth, marketing, all these other things. There's, there's other tactics to build a business. Mm-hmm. But in our current state, everyone's attention's on the devices. So once that kind of penetrated my framework, I was like, oh shoot, I need to be a media company and then a personal trainer a media company, and then an athlete, mm-hmm. a media company, and then an entrepreneur. And that's always been my framework for the past four years. So even when I was a trainer, I would document everything I was doing. Even before I had my NASM CPT, which is just a certification that anyone can get. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yo, I'm going to show you guys, I'm studying for it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to study for 30 days and go take the test. Then as I got my tra- cert, then I got into a gym. Then I just documented my journey as a trainer and all these things. Fast forward, I got laid off by Orange Theory. I was a group trainer. Um, During COVID, I got laid off. And it opened up time for me to just go all in on content. Mm -hmm. So then during the pandemic, I'm like, all right, now I have so much freedom, so much time, which most people don't have. And I was like, I'm just gonna go all in and just really document my journey instead of trying to create content. And that framework shift for me really helped me understand that like one, this is gonna be a patient game. This is gonna be a long-term play. Everyone chases virality, when in reality, if you want to build an audience, people that know, like, and trust you, you have to do it slowly. Mm -hmm. And that's always been how I've taken the approach of content. Smart. To your point now, fast forward three years later, I've gotten to work with some of the biggest brands in the world, everyone from Nike to Lululemon to supplement companies, tech companies, car companies, like Mm -hmm. you can name it. And the biggest thing I learned was people were just after – one, not just my audience, but me as a human, because I I can represent their brand in a positive way. And I started realizing that my leverage was actually just myself. Mm -hmm. Obviously I've grown my audiences, I've grown my community to really engage in the shit that I do, but ultimately these brands want me to rep their thing because they know that I'm gonna be a positive outlook to rep their brand, For sure, right? So Eric, it really started to like turn into a proper business when I moved to Austin. Mm -hmm. I took a gamble to move out to Austin, right? I, my mom just got remarried, she told me my brother, she said, guys, you can either take over the mortgage in Clarksburg, Maryland, which is a small little suburb in Maryland, or like figure out like what you guys wanna do. And instantly for me, dude, I was like, I work remotely. There's nothing holding me down in freaking Maryland. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let me pack up my Honda Civic and make this drive to Austin, Texas. That's and awesome. it's just like from that moment, I just knew that I was gonna double down on myself And all the self-help books and all the entrepreneurial books I've read was always like, hey, at the end of the day, there's no better asset, there's no better person to bet on than yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just kept that in my framework. And everything I do is always in that mindset of like, yo, I'm not trying to compete against anyone else. It's only me versus me. Mm -hmm. Now, do I get inspiration? Do I get motivation from other people? Of course. But ultimately, I'm not, I'm in my own race in that sense. And like, that's why I love running too, because it's like, yeah, I didn't come in first, but I can always PR. I can always improve in that for sense. Sure. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. No,
0: that does, man. That's awesome. And I do want to get more into like what's next for you and maybe a little bit more in the the numbers of what it looks like navigating. navigating, yeah. you know, those first dollars in, you know. Of course. Valuing your company, your immediate, your asset, you know, when a company like, us uh, Pathwater, hey, we can give you this a month if you want to collaborate and then you're like, no, I need this. Yeah. So I definitely want to g- get into that. But uh, you touched upon when you moved here. It's been about a year now. Yeah. And then your your brother, right? Yeah. Oh, he's a great guy. He moved down shortly after. Well,
1: he just moved like six weeks ago. Oh, six weeks ago. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: So you moved down, what was it? I, w- I
1: moved down last February. Last February. So about a year and two months.
0: Yeah, a year and two months. I'm um, almost two years. Mm-hmm. July 2021. And culture-wise, right, I'm not... Big and I've never, I'm not from Maryland, you know. I'm from New York, yeah. but like, I've never lived anywhere else as well. So like, me coming here, I've had some some means here, some people, some community already. But like, you just took a drive, right? Basically, yeah. did you did you know anybody here when you came I had, out? I
1: knew one person that I played college football with. I slept on his couch for three days, and I found an apartment. Okay, so big shout out to my dog Rome. Rome, <laughs> thank, you, Rome. <laughs> thank you, Rome. Thank you, Rome. Thank you, Rome. And you love it. It's Eric. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Hands down. It it was ultimately a it's a pivotal decision in my trajectory Mm -hmm. of my career of my life just in general. But it's been one of the best decisions I've made.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Same here, dude. I love it here. The people having spaces like Collective, um, meeting people like you. It's it's been awesome. Okay, going back to. uh, the numbers. Yeah. Right? So I'm a big fan of the numbers. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Let's go. So, okay. You, where you are today, mm-hmm. right? What does that look like if someone wants to work with Matt Choi for a six month yeah. or a yearly
1: thing? Yeah. It really just depends on the brand, obviously, as well, mm-hmm. right? But to work with me on a, ret- like, to work with me on a contract, on a retainer, um, obviously, for on my end, there's a list of deliverables I typically offer. Sure. The biggest thing for me that I think differentiates what I do versus other creators is that I've really made it an important thing for me to diversify my platforms, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people want to win on Instagram because it's sexy. It looks cool. You get the blue check, all that shit. But early on, I actually grew my audience on TikTok. And that's where it started. And then when TikTok, everyone started flooding on TikTok, then I was like, all right, let me focus on Instagram and then YouTube. And just being able to diversify my mm-hmm. audiences when people come say what's up to me I, they're like yo i found you on youtube i found you on TikTok." i yeah. love getting that data because it's like exactly you don't know who you're going to attract mm-hmm. now in terms of um like working with brands yep. every brand has an area that they might want to focus more on for that year mm-hmm. in terms of their marketing budget or maybe they're just lacking on a different platform so they're like matt we want, like, Pathwater, we want to work with you on TikTok to run a campaign to showcase more of how you utilize Pathwater in your day-to-day life, Sure. right? A lot of times for companies that are in middle, middle-sized middle companies to smaller companies, I mean, honestly, I can't charge them what I charge a Nike right. or Adidas. I have to play the long game of, like, all right, do I really love this product? Do I believe in this product? Mm-hmm. Then my retainer, the fee of it, anywhere from 2500 to 5000 gets kind of, I have to play the numbers around, right? And then it's like, all right, how can I actually create more value for this brand mm-hmm. instead of just them paying me a retainer? Right. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, Eric, where it's like, I'm actually taking less retainer deals and I'm taking maybe a smaller retainer with either commission or getting a rev share of you know, sales that I'm bringing in, in that sense, right? Sure. Because then it becomes performance-based and exactly. I'm actually incentivized to really market the company. Yeah, and execute. Exactly. And that's one model. Another model is just straight up retainer. Hey, Pathwater, I want $5,000 a month. I'll post a TikTok video, a YouTube short, mm-hmm. and an Instagram reel, and an Instagram story. And in honest, Eric, that's undervaluing my audience. For sure. But I get a longer term contract.
0: Yeah, I understand. So
1: there's always that push and pull of like, hey, Adidas, you want one video from me? Then all right, I'm going to charge 15K, yeah. 20K. Right. And that's a one-off exchange because they know oh, we met, we have this new running shoe out. We know that your audience loves running shoes. So instantly, I already know the video is going to perform sure. somewhat decent, right? right. Um, but for me now, it's like I'm trying to develop these longer-term partnerships. Mm-hmm. I had one with Nike and Dick Sporting Goods in the past. The only negative with longer-term partnerships is now I can't wear another brand. Right. So there's always that push and pull, too, of like, how much do you love the brand? Yeah. Because if someone someone else calls and they're like, yo... Uh, we're willing to offer you this and you're in an exclusive contract. Then you kind of you gotta sit and wait. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that so that's kind of how I see it, Eric. I mean, really, I just recently started. I, I got a contract with Kane recently. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to John and their Congrats, team and Alex. Guys. Awesome team. And with them, it's it was always like I already knew I liked the product. Mm-hmm. I already knew that my audience would rock with it. One, because it fits exactly into the running mold. Mm-hmm. You wear running shoes to run. What are you going to wear in after? I always preach that message of get out of your running shoes, right. get into something else, flat shoes, minimalist shoes, a recovery shoe. That partnership just works. Mm-hmm. It's just, it fits right into my brand. That's awesome. And I'm looking for more of those types of companies that just align with who I'm about and the things that I, I kind of talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the numbers, that's typically what it looks like. And obviously that's now Eric. When I first started, I didn't know what the F I was doing. Right. i would be like, oh shit, Shox wants to do a video with me. They're like, Matt, send me your rate. Eric, I'm like, uh, $500? Right. Send the email? Yeah. And they're like, let's do it. <laughs> send the email. And then every single human, we operate just like in this fashion, in consulting, in any business, mm-hmm. like, you always think you left money on the table when sure. someone says, yes, let's do it. Right. And when they say no, you get a little bit in your own head of like, oh shit what should I charge if I started a thousand they say no then I'm like all right seven fifty yeah five like, right. and you're always playing that push and pull mm-hmm. and the more the more reps I did, the more creators the more mentors that I kind of got in touch with mm-hmm. guys like Brian Maza, mm-hmm. guys like Eric Hinman that were in the space that were had years ahead of me mm-hmm. in that sense they were always wanting to give me game and I think that's the biggest thing I've learned and it's a, it's a game of entrepreneurship like yeah when you're doing well, why not help other people? Especially someone that's younger, that someone that you see is like, oh shit, they got something good going. Mm -hmm. And obviously not everyone has that open-mindedness, that everyone everyone has that abundant framework, but you have to find the people in the space Mm -hmm. that could be in your corner that can help you kind of navigate this stuff. And if it wasn't for guys like that, I I don't, it would have taken me a little bit longer to kind of scale this.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, a lot of people talk about, or founders and entrepreneurs, you know, Luck or miracles, and that's how this happened. But really, throughout your journey, the peaks and the volatility, right? um, To get there, you have to live and breathe your brand and what you're doing, what you believe in. And from that, you meet all these people along the way. And if you're like really regarded and and trying to keep all these little wins to yourself, you're not going to get those little miracles and, you know, luck along the way like because if i do right by matt and, and that's just me being sincere six months down the line all of a sudden i'm meeting someone who i'm trying to raise from and they happen to own canes and then i get connected through matt that wouldn't have happened if i was like oh I don't know. hey eric what's going on there and i don't worry about it matt yeah. you know that doesn't work that way so the ability to be open-minded and have you know guys like them And like one another to -hmm. to help each other. Like that's the ticket, you know. Even if it's early on and you're finally getting some wins, just breathe. And you know, there's a journey. It's a marathon.
1: Dude, I love that. And it's like like this Denzel Washington quote, each one, teach one. Yeah, 100%. Right? And it's like the more you think that keeping your secrets just to yourself and gatekeeping information it actually doesn't really help you in the long run no because you want to have people that are in the space that you could be like yo like let me bounce an idea off of you let me see how you structure this thing Mm -hmm. right and the more people that you can cultivate that community and they don't even have to be near you yeah like they could be dude we live in this day now where like you have access to any human that you really want right obviously there's levels of access Mm -hmm. but you can still reach people without them being local to you big time matt it's that same voice like
0: that gets in your way. I'm sure, even creating content in the beginning, you might be like, "Am I really gonna post this same thing again?" But then in your mind, it's like that might feel like how it that might it might feel that way to you. But you're reaching a brand new person potentially that like needs to see that content in some way or another. So like, yeah, that that voice of ego, you know, jealousy, or just like, "Oh, what are they gonna think about me?" Yeah, don't listen to that voice. In you know? fact, I feel you on that. <laughs> um tell me a little bit more about the lifestyle i know running takes a lot of your time you're yeah.
1: constantly creating
0: like what'd you do this weekend
1: love that um you watch those I, fights? I actually did watch the fights with my brother um it was fun because i had some friends that were in town that um i just got connected with when i was in austin and mm-hmm. um chill with them on like uh friday and then saturday watched the fights with my brother um we literally we didn't even buy it that we just I, I saw it on tiktok someone was streaming on tiktok Dude, i fucking watched it on tiktok I,
0: yeah, and that's you know, <laughs> shout out to Izzy for winning that shit too. Yeah, great win, great fight, great win. And you know the whole backstory with those guys, right? Which were the two people that fought Izzy and his? Yes, uh, of arm. course, yes. Yeah, it uh, was yeah. a wild, wild journey for them. Sick fight, dude. Amazing. Izzy fight. is a monster beast, and probably the best post-victory bro performance of all time. <laughs> it,
1: it, it's I love seeing a comeback story in that sense, but. In terms of lifestyle, Eric, I mean, uh, it's funny because now a lot of what I do, a lot of my brand is just like me as a human. Yeah. And there's always obviously elements of like me wanting to like, like right now, I'm like, I just got a house in Austin. and Congrats. Like, thank you. And it's like, that's like, that's been taking up a lot of time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've been traveling a shit ton. And like, just being here, being having my feet set in Austin, mm-hmm. it allows me, one, now having a house, like, think about it really in the long-term play. Yeah. Of like, what can this... "Quote unquote HQ really be for me, mm-hmm. and that's kind of been taking up a lot of my time. And obviously, as my brother's been transitioning here, kind of like working through like living with your brother again in a, yeah. in like a second life. Because mm-hmm. now that we're older, it's like we're we're obviously grown men, and it's like trying to navigate that in that sense. Yeah. um But a lot of like my day to day stuff, it's funny because like I feel like I don't really live for the weekends. Like I feel like every day I'm like living on a Monday, mm-hmm. which is a win." cuz like I just like I don't think that the things I do is like work it's all play sure. for me. Sure. And it's like that Naval Ravikant quote of like when you when your work or what what seems like work to others is play for you, mm-hmm. you know you're in a good spot. 100%. I talk about this with
0: some people like there are aspects about job training, you know, that you just, ugh, you know, of course. not many, you know, and I think we're fortunate to say that probably not many. Um But when people ask me like, what's it like, you know, kind of working for yourself essentially, like partnering with some of these brands. And it's like, I get to authentically be myself every day. And that's a choice. You know, it doesn't matter who's in the room, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be Eric, Brandon, Rukovsky. Love me or hate me. Yeah. Dogs on top. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I love it. So like (laughs) I preach on that because like if it doesn't matter if you're, you know, tech, you know, hedge fund, you know, you work in consumer. Just be yourself, yeah. and even if you're along that journey, and you're like, oh man, I want to impress this guy, but if, if you start compromising, yeah. that that relationship's not for you. It's yeah. not sustainable. Yeah, it's not. It's it's
1: really not. Um, I was also at the ranch with a uh, big shout out to Jimmy. I just saw him leave here, but yeah, yeah. he was like, yo, come come to the ranch uh, for for Easter. I'm like, all right, word. So I just it's like it's it's that Eric. It's just like being spontaneous. Like I'm single right now, so it's like I don't have a lot of things like that mm-hmm. I'm tied down to, which is sure. a blessing and a curse at times. Yeah. Um. But it's it's awesome. Just like to your point, the community here in Austin is something special. Mm -hmm. People always ask me like, well, dude, why is it so dope? I'm like, it's not that the city itself, it's just the people here, Mm -hmm. period. And like that's what makes anything special is like the community and the people that are in it. Sure. And I think that above all else about Austin is why I just love it here so much. Got it. I've
0: been head down and just, you know, trying to focus on a few things of but course. you mentioned like you're single have you been dating what's that like here in Austin for you
1: it's been very interesting um I have been dating a little bit here and there I was I was dating someone from Houston for uh, a couple months um but that kind of just broke off I think the the hardest thing for me Eric is that now being in front of a lot of shit it could be tough at times to like this like kind of separate the two mm-hmm. and I think that's been the biggest struggle for me Got is it. like being able to like Kind of live out my life as like a lifestyle thing, sure. and like it's not normal. And to then have someone bring their energy and their their stuff into my world, mm-hmm. at times there's friction there just because of the way I live. For sure. And at times for me, it's just navigating that. I've never I never came to Austin to be like I want I need to go find a girl ASAP. Like that's <laughs> just never been how I operate. No. Um, I really do believe in timing and patience, and yeah. the right people come come into place. And for me, it's like I was I've always in this mode of trying to find myself to then hopefully attract the right human i'm never going out to like seek them at the bar or on fucking hinge or something right so naturally for <laughs> me eric like at times like the entrepreneur journey could be very lonely because yeah. you have to find the right humans that want to support it for sure. and at the same time i want to support other people too mm-hmm. right so i think for me i'm in like a selfish mindset and at times that's a gift and a curse as well
0: yeah for sure especially like you're how old 28 yeah 28 i just turned 30 you know we're it's early days, you know. It doesn't feel like early days for sure. a lot of the things, but um, it's early days in the grand scheme of things. And you have, to, you're still building, you know. And if I'm, you know, blessed, I have my son, Athan. You know, he's two. But before he was born, and when he was born, and last week, there's challenging times, of course. Um, but you you navigate those. And while you're single and don't have children yet, you know, you should be selfish and. By the way, your whole being is, is selfless. That's your message, mm. positivity, helping people. Um, so you probably couldn't do that if you were, you know, saying yes or no to, you know, a significant other. Like, oh, why are you going to run again? You just ran yesterday. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, that ripples into, of course, a, of you course. know, I'm sure those conversations happen. Um, but I completely get it. So don't be too hard on yourself with that. It's going to come. Fair, it's I gonna agree. Come. And I know a few a few girls, so I'll introduce you. <laughs> Let's That's go. True. The recipe is a, a matchmaking <laughs> show here. <laughs> I'll set you up. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about one other thing too. Um, I was just touching base on this. You know, constantly we scroll on our feeds. Normally, it's a lot of positivity. You specifically, Matt, like your message is super positive and bringing people together and conquering things. What does like a low moment look like for you? Mm. Like when you're, you did all your things, you woke up, you prayed, you journal, you co-plunged, you know, you had caffeine two hours after waking up, <laughs> you ran your miles, you did all the things, right? And then for some reason, something happens. Or you don't get to do those things. What I find usually happens is no. you get out of your patterns and your um, routines. And then, you know, the voice comes of course. Room gets darker, it gets smaller. What do I do? Yeah. Where do I go? What do you do during those moments to not
1: let it consume you? I love this. This is a great question. I think what I do, Eric, is I just lean into perspective and gratitude, mm-hmm. honestly. I, I'm a very routine person, but I know that routines are, are not meant to always be there. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it's a routine is that you build a habit enough that when you get thrown off of your game, that little micro stress it doesn't eat you up too much. Mm -hmm. And I think by putting myself through physical challenges that were chosen, I've truly had a different level of understanding of what really stress is. I think a a recent low moment was definitely the Houston shit for me. Mm -hmm. Like navigating that, Eric, where to our whole conversation here, I make a lot of my money through brand deals. I had an email from Nike and Dick Sporting Goods basically saying, Matt, hold off on doing any more content around the brand because we need to navigate this issue right now seeing that in my whole world of like oh shit this is how I pay my bills potentially being at risk because Mm -hmm. of a decision that was really stupid on my end that was hard for me to swallow because dude I've been making content for four years and this was the first like real blip in the radar when it came to like publicity that was hate and negativity Mm -hmm. obviously I've had a lot of ups and downs in my journey but this was the first time where it was in the public eye and I had to really like ask myself, like, who am I as a human? Who am, who am I as a man? Mm-hmm. And even for me, Eric, it's like that old rule of, like, my, my high school coach always said, you know, luckily, we didn't lose many games. But when we did lose, it's always that 24-hour rule of, like, yeah, I mean, if you need to kind of be in your thoughts and have your solitude to let that shit sink in and mm-hmm. understand that, yeah, you fucked up. Now right. what? Like, what are we going to do about this, right? right? We have to move forward in life. And, like, in, no matter what it is, if it's big or small, you know, maybe getting a little ankle sprain or whatever it might, like, might be, I think at times humans put this stress and anxiety on ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that low moment for me is a self-reflection. I sit in my thoughts. I sit in my solitude. I'm like, all right, is this the end of the world for me? Even if I, I sat on an airplane, Eric, I opened up my email, and I got that email, and I was going to Sacramento at the time. I closed my eyes. I didn't respond to the email. And I said to myself, I said, if I lose out on every single brand deal I work with, all of them dropped me because of this bib meal thing. Mm-hmm. I would be content knowing that my intention was not how the article was written, Right. period. And in, even in j- just that example, like I, I was okay with that for, for like 24 hours. I was definitely in a rut and I was like, fuck. But quickly I had the right mentors and people in my space that were like, dude, at the end of the day, this is not who you are. And this mm-hmm. is not, like this one mistake will not define you in the long journey of my career in that for sense. Sure. So I think to answer your question, I, I just lean back into gratitude and perspective. Mm-hmm. Even fucking up like that, Eric, it's not the end of the world. People, like, I could have done way worse shit. Right. If that is what people are going to hate me for, Eric, mm-hmm. of using someone else's bib to complete a marathon, I'm doing okay things in this world. So that's kind of how I see it. And that, at the high level, that's like an extreme situation where I'm down. Right. If I'm out of my routine, if I don't cold plunge in a day, I'm not, like, beating myself up. I think people judge themselves too hard. Mm -hmm. I am my own harshest critic. But at the same time, I don't judge myself too much. At the end of the day, I know that I'm going to hopefully live up to 100 years old. Me having one off day, me going to eat in and out, me going to like, you know, do whatever is not going to be the detrimental impact on my life. I think because I'm able to stay patient and have a level of perspective that I have it pretty damn good in this world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that like the life that I'm currently living is their dream life. Yeah. And for me, I have so much more ambition of what I want to do. So I just don't beat myself up if I fuck up or if I get out of my routine. And that level of like, it's funny because Ben from Disco said it. And he kind of spoke for me and I'm like, damn, that's actually a great way to put it. The reason I feel like I'm able to do all this shit is I just don't put that much stress on myself. Mm -hmm. I don't take it that seriously. Like if I fuck up, if I fail or if I succeed, I just don't sit on a high horse. Right. And I think that's how I've been able to navigate so much shit and I think honestly, why even the bib meal thing is funny for me is that that's actually exactly who I am. Yeah, I'm last minute. If one door closes, I'm going to find the side door. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I operate as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I, like, If someone says no to me, I'm like, all right, well, yeah. let me go see if I can find a different way. Mm-hmm. And I just don't let that stress build up in t- inside because I know it's just that cortisol is releasing. I don't need it in there. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's, that's it, man. Well, well said. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, my buddy Marty Kelly, I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Maniac of course, Irish of course. Name. I fucking know him. Uh, <laughs> he'll do this uh, cheers if we're out having dinner. Um, and I'll be like, never too high, never too low, right in the middle. That. And uh, that's exactly it. Because if you live in any one of those things too long, it's just, it's not real. It's not sustainable. Um, and then if you were just, you know, didn't have those little spikes, you know, you look at, you're on a hospital bed, if that thing goes flat, you know, it's bye bye. You of know, course. so I think those little spikes in the either direction, what make us, you know,
1: what sculpt us. It makes a good goddamn story. Yeah, Eric, I don't want to read a book that's just like some boring like no. trajectory it was the same every day. Like, uh-uh. why do people like good stories and yeah. good like like people that kind of overcome adversity? Because that's what yeah. makes a good story. Failure is truly turns you into success. Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: So I wanted to just touch up on, we're, we're at Collective, yeah. right? You know, I remember when we first walked in here. I know. And by the way, like I hope to know, I want to know like your first impression and complete honesty. Cause like I've been a part of the gym scene, hospitality space for a long time. I know what it's like seeing other trainers see, who's this fucking hotshot <laughs> walking in here, new <sighs> member, tripod, what's going of on. Course. And I can see like the wolves start to come in on the person. Hopefully that's not what happened to you. I would just love to hear, know your experience coming into Collective now that you live here. This is kind of like your home, and I yeah. hope you, I hope you, hope it feels like it's it, your home.
1: It definitely does. Um, it's funny because I remember the, I talked to Jeremy first when I got here because Miranda was the first one that kind of walked me around. Mm-hmm. And this was early on. Right? This is like yep. April. Yep. And Collective wasn't what it is in the current state of what people see on social media right now in its current state. It was definitely developing to that point but it wasn't a finished product yet. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the funniest thing was, I think there was a little, a little bit of intimidation for me because I remember seeing you and Kelly first were the two people I ever interacted with. And Kelly at times could be fucking intimidating. And recently I had a chance to really chat with her at the, at the ranch and she's so <laughs> fucking dope. Yeah. Um, but I think there, there's always levels of that. When you get into a new environment, that feeling of like, oh shit, do I belong? Like, mm-hmm. can I kind of get ingrained into this community? It was definitely moments of that but I think kind of me leaning back into like my own self identity of understanding that at the end of the day, like me being in this room, it's just like, I wanna show that I belong and I wanna give value. Mm-hmm. And if that value comes in the form of videos of me just kind of marketing the collective as this is the spot to fucking be at, then that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But I think every human have has levels of that intimidation factor because you're coming into a facility that is the most sought after gym in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's feelings about that, right? Um, But I think overall, I quickly just kind of leaned into myself and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, regardless if it was collective or a different gym or Planet Fitness, it wouldn't have mattered. Mm -hmm. I would have acted and operated in the same exact fashion. One, being super positive, being optimistic and just doing my business how I go around it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think how I feel about it now, it's, I told Jeremy this, it's like, when I believe in a product, a service, or a brand, I almost pitch it as if it's my baby. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know you have something special, is when you have people that are so bought into it that they feel like they are proud to represent it. Like, when people ask me what gym I go to, I'm so fucking proud to say, I go to this gym. I go to the collective, and it's the dopest gym in the, in, in Austin. It's one mm-hmm. of the dopest gyms I've been to. And it's not because of the sexy equipment or the the black and white aesthetic, which yeah. is sick. But once again, it's the people that that come to this facility. Right. And- that is what truly makes it special, and it makes it different in that mm-hmm. sense. And it's honestly, I can't even put into words, really. Like, someone asked me, like, "Dude, do you work at Collective?" I'm like, "No." I'm like, "But like, I believe in it because what it's done for me, mm-hmm. for myself, on a business level, on a connection network level, has mm-hmm. been something that has definitely made my one year in Austin, Eric, so much better, love so that. much more fruitful. I love that. Yep. And that is something about Collective. I think not many gyms can replicate. Because you can have all the sexy aesthetics and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. if the humans inside of it aren't curious and open-minded and all those things, Mm. it's just a sick gym that has a dope aesthetic. Yeah. Dude, I love that, man. Thank you. Um,
0: Well, before I let you go, right, is there anything else that you want us to know,
1: people, people at home? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think, one, I appreciate you having me as a guest. This is super fun and I think at any time you get to connect on this level, it's a lot deeper than a five, 10 minute conversation, even over coffee or whatever. But I think for anyone out there, like this has always been my framework. It's by Jim Quick. It's a quote. The only limits we have are the ones we believe in. Mm -hmm. I think so many people put limits on themselves, what they can accomplish, what they can do, you know, if they can go move to a new city. At the end of the day, if you can, if you have a, if you have a level of belief in yourself, go chase after whatever it is in this world because you live one time. Go take advantage of it. Maximize it. I love that. Oh my God. I appreciate you. This was super fun, bro. Dude, we'll do it again real soon.
0: I'm pumped. Thanks, brother.